it's all very well talking about being real, showing up real, having authentic conversations online and offline, but hey, could we do with a few tips on how? Yes, we could. Hello, I'm Trisha Lewis. This is the Make It Real podcast, and I will be talking to very real people who've had very real experience, mistakes and everything, and they will be giving you those tips. So, stay tuned. Hi, Dipti. Hello, Trisha. <laughs> this, this all sounds so smooth, but do you know what? I'm, I am compelled to be honest. We've just spent five minutes faffing around with my sound, and I blamed it all on Dipti's microphone. And <laughs> so, as she very kindly said, well, make it real. This is what it is. And I couldn't get offended either. So, <laughs> that's all good. <laughs> oh, that's what I love about the guests I have on this podcast. You're all such fabulous people. So, Dipti Tate, if you have not yet come across her on various medium or in real life, um, as in you might have seen her on various breakfast shows, television, um, walking up the street, I don't know, but she is, um, she's quite good at getting herself out there uh, in a lovely way. Uh, she is a hypnotherapist, and uh, and sort of lots of lots goes into that, so that's a very vague thing. But the Cotswold practice is where she is now, as we're having this conversation in Stroud, gorgeous, gorgeous Cotswolds, and that's a sort of face-to-face -face, um, sessions. And then this online hypnotherapy, which sounds like a crazy idea, so we'll delve into that a little bit more. Uh, Dipti, go on, just tell us the basics of what you're about. Oh, that's, that's a lovely introduction. Um, yeah, I mean, as you say, I'm a hypnotherapist, a solution-focused hypnotherapist. Um, I'm also an author, I've written a book about grief, um, and a mother of two teenage boys for my sins. <laughs> so yeah, that add into the mix as well. We so yeah, that's very real. That's yeah, very, that's very real. Um, yeah, don't let's ever underestimate that bit of the reality <laughs> um, and this is such a blinking fascinating topic area that as I said to Dipti we're going to struggle um, pressing end I think on this but but let's let's find a place to get started so I I, I will re um, say what Dipti just said she has written an amazing book um, Good Grief it's called it was published in 2016 but it's like you know it's a it's a classic <laughs> so um and it and it obviously it is based on um real life on dipti's experience i don't know how much you want to share dipti but people i think people listeners to this podcast like to know a little bit about the story of what got you here yeah so particularly with the book i mean obviously i always say this i always say this whenever i start any conversation about my book and i think that if you know, when I was younger, people used to say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, I'd never sit there and go, you know what, I want to be an author and I want to write about grief. You know, that would never have come out of my mouth. So it wasn't like I planned this book at all. It just happened to kind of come out of my experience and my own circumstances. So I lost both my parents to cancer, unfortunately. So my, I lost my dad when I was 24. Um, I thought when I was 24 that I was really old and grown up 
and I, I had, you know, life down, you know, I knew what I was doing. I kind of, you know, had a, a good understanding of the world, but actually now looking back, I'm not even going to say how many years later. <laughs> I, I look younger than I am. You certainly um, do. <laughs> um, over twenty something years later, I look back and I think, oh my god, I was just a kid. You know, I really was. Um, so my dad was a very lovely man, but he was very kind of um, set in his ways. Put it that way. And so I'm his only, I was his only child. So basically all of his life was kind of focused on me. Um, so he did everything for me or he supported me so well that I really didn't have much ability to think for myself, really. Um, it's that kind of like overprotection. Um, you know, he wouldn't want me to say I thought he was overprotective, but actually, yes, he was really overprotective. Um, my mum, bless her, she was the other way. Uh, she basically was also governed quite a lot by my dad. And it was like, we all did everything my dad said, basically. And then, so when we lost him in our lives, it was just like, whoa, I have no idea what I'm doing anymore, you know. So I, I kind of had no, I felt like, one, my boundaries had disappeared all of a sudden. And then the next thing, I felt like I didn't have any structure anymore. I didn't really know how to think for myself. Um, even though I was 24, it wasn't, it wasn't like I was a kid, but I did feel like I was suddenly, suddenly like four years old again you know and then my mum also she didn't know how to change a plug she didn't know how to take money out of the bank she didn't drive a car I mean she was literally uh, I'm not saying this to to sort of diminish housewives housewives but she was actually a housewife she was married to my dad and the house (laughs) the literal meaning of the word yes yes (laughs) yeah and so in a way I had to literally grow up and be the parent um, and then she passed away uh, just about 10 years later. And then I just felt like an orphan. You know, I felt like I had no one to share that experience with, uh, no one to really understand what I was going through. Um, I felt really, really desperately alone um, and just felt completely out of my depth, out of my comfort zone. Emotional overwhelm was just like, everywhere and I just didn't know how or what or where to turn so what I started to do was write a a really comprehensive diary and then the diaries turned into kind of seven diaries so what I decided to do was I was kind of noticing that I was having extreme emotions so it would be like for example sadness or um, loneliness or guilt um, and then I'd basically get, I'd get a diary, call it guilt, for example. So every time I felt real guilt, I would write in that diary. So I started separating my diaries out into the emotion I was feeling at the time. And um, so I had seven of them in total. Um, so shock, denial, disbelief, guilt, uh, sadness, depression. And then... Oh, I realized after a while that actually, even though it was actually, if you looked at them, you would never make sense of the words. It was just a lot of 
nonsense really yeah, yeah, yeah. stream of consciousness was exactly stream yeah, of consciousness yeah. but i was sort of wondering was there something in there that i can use I have no idea how to extract it but how can i think about that you know so that's when i employed a book writing coach and she bet- between me and her we basically extracted you know, all the bits that were useful from there that could help other people. And that's where Good Grief was born. So it turned into a book. And, you know, it's not a very, um, it's not very thick at all. But if you think about the diaries, they were, there was a lot of stuff in there. So mainly what we were doing was trying to cut things out (laughs) and to kind of make them cohesive. I've I've heard this from a number of people that I've spoken to recently who've just written books and it's definitely the cutting out bit that makes makes the book really sing, you know. So... So actually, that applies across the board, doesn't it? When when you're growing a business, it's often the cutting out stuff that uh, works best, rather than chucking more stuff in. But what what a story! And at this stage, then, were you doing the hypnotherapy? So I trained as a hypnotherapist as my well, just after my mum passed away. So that's another interesting correlation because when I when I lost my dad. I wasn't a hypnotherapist mm. and when I lost my mum I was training to be one and obviously I'm not saying that I loved my dad more therefore I grieved more for him and I didn't really love my mum therefore I didn't grieve as much it wasn't like that it was just that actually I think I processed it so much more efficiently while I was training to be a hypnotherapist so I lost both my parents but okay I had grown up a little bit I had 10 years on me and by then I'd had children, so I think you get into a different mindset when you're a mother. Um, but I would definitely say solution-focused hypnotherapy helped me process my own grief in such a honourable but smarter way, if that makes sense. I do think that makes that's a that's a lovely way of describing it. So this. It's interesting. So you've made it really clear now. Those two other words, solution, focus, because there is no question that there will still be, uh, maybe particularly of an older generation like me, there'll still be people who are now conjuring up a picture of you know the little thing on the end of the watch, basically uh, going backwards and forwards, and and then people you know sleepwalking and doing funny things um so i don't really think it's necessarily like that is it at, uh, when, when you're doing this to people and also why do people i mean people see it as that's an entertainment version of it as well uh, and this is this is serious stuff because this is as you say solution focus so just to, to explain, explain what's contained within those words yeah, and of course, it's therapy as well. It's not just stage performance, as you say. It's not for entertainment purposes. People don't come into my practice and say, you know what, I'd really, really love to be turned into a chicken. You know, that <laughs> actually happen. Um, if it did, I'd, I'd be a bit concerned. Um, so solution-focused does what it says on the tin. It helps clients look for their solutions. Now, of course, they would come in because they have a problem. No one comes in and goes, you know what, I'm really happy with my life. I feel (laughs) calm and composed and in control, but I'd like a really expensive lie down. You know, (laughs) no one one comes in for that. 
So we understand that people come in with a problem. Now this problem will manifest in, well, basically a wide range of between anxiety, high anxiety or low depression and sort of shades of grey in between really. Um, and it will come out in, you know, areas of their life. And of course, it's only a problem when it becomes a problem. So people will go, oh, you know, I had a panic attack at work or, you know, it'll be, it'll get to the point with hypnotherapy still, unfortunately, we're not the first port of call. Mm. Mm. We're usually the last port of call, um, you know, because they live tried, yeah. you know, the hospital, the doctors, the medication. And so when things haven't worked out in those departments, you know, it's almost like we get the call and it's panic stations at that point. So solution focused helps you look for the solution. Um, but obviously at that point, the client doesn't know the solution because if they did, they yeah. would be getting on with it themselves. So we go with this principle that the subconscious mind always has your solution in it. Uh, you just don't really know it's there consciously. So with solution-focused hypnotherapy, there's the amount of coaching that kind of comes along with that. And that's basically using the best of NLP and CBT and SFBT, which is solution-focused brief therapy, and combining it with the hypnosis and the trance bit. Now, the trance bit, the, the word trance is a loaded word. You know, this <laughs> We all think Scooby-Doo, you know, like, you know, zombies and whatever. And actually, that's what I spend a lot of the beginning session demystifying is the word trance. Because trance is literally another word for REM, which is rapid eye movement. And REM is another word for the dreaming state. So dreaming, trance and REM are effectively the same place in the brain. So when people say... I've never been in a trance. I'm like, well, have you ever slept? Mm. Have you ever dreamt? And usually we have <laughs> all slept at some yeah. point and we've all dreamt. So people go, oh, I have. Yeah, but they don't realize that's what it is. Yeah. But then what I do is I explain the benefit of that state of mind. And that's the incredible bit about all of this is that when you're in trance or REM or dream, your brain is doing two very incredibly powerful things. The first thing it does is that it's emptying the stress bucket. Imagine you've got a stress bucket in your brain mm -hmm. and you know it gets piled up with life mm -hmm. because it happens and day-to-day -day stuff as well as the big stuff that gets in there. Your brain has to have a stress bucket emptying function because otherwise we'd be walking around completely gaga and do lally. Yeah. So that's what happens when we sleep. When we go into REM, our bucket starts to empty. So we're starting the day again with a bit of a cleaner slate. Obviously, if bigger stresses get in there, they might not get emptied just in that portion of REM time. So that's why when the bigger stresses get in, and actually when I talk about grief, that's like a boulder of stress, not just a little yes, tiny. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That's why we get people on the couch because we can then mimic REM. So then they get on the couch and we're literally helping them effectively em empty the stress bucket. And I love that vis visual, actually, the, the bucket, um, the bucket visual. Actually, yeah. And I think um, 
people underestimate the value of sleep. I mean, you know, people sort of say, oh, sleep on it, you know, and it, yes. it's such a fucking sensible piece of advice, isn't it? Neuroscientifically, we can prove what happens. So if you think about the bucket, it's in the primitive part of our brain. So, and then we've got uh, on top has grown through evolution, the intellectual part of the brain. Now, imagine the bucket sitting in the primitive part of the brain. That's like a tiny little memory stick that keeps running out of space. So then when you go to sleep, your brain is transferring those memories, which are actually emotional memories from the stress bucket over to the intellectual mind and they're being converted into a narrative memory so you're still holding on to the memory of the situation but you're you're literally scrubbing out the emotion so you feel better about it but you've still got a good analysis approach to deal with it yeah and and in a way that's that that's got a similarity to um so when I'm, when I'm talking to people about imposter syndrome, for instance, I, w I would say, you know, this whole kind of reframe thing from, you know, the emotion, the reframe, the rational, yes. you know, so that you, it's a similar process in exactly a way. Just, yeah, yeah, just calming down all that fight and flight and freeze stuff and, as yeah. you say, getting a narrative to it. And I mean, as we, as people are there, for instance, who are in the early stages of growing a business or maybe have sort of changed their direction and are, and are feeling a little bit overwhelmed, um, then it's so easy to get into a very crowded state in your head. And the whole message in this podcast is, you know, being real as you, as you grow your business, um, which sounds so obvious and yet it is one of the most difficult things to do. For me, it's been the biggest challenge, really. I mean, yeah, you've got to learn how to do LinkedIn and, you know, Zoom and all these things, whatever. But honestly, the, 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 the identity thing, and you, you talk quite a lot about identity, don't you? It's like, yeah, exactly. Everything that you said, it, you know, growing a business is probably one of the most challenging things in this climate at this time. Um, especially because obviously we've got all that wonderful technology but um, it's almost like well everybody's got access to this wonderful technology so the marketplace can be very crowded so then who who are you in this marketplace you know how do you stand out do you have to dye your hair pink you know or <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what it, what does real mean first of all you know and it's that I think is a confusing concept. Yeah. So like when I started my business in 2013, I know that doesn't seem like a long time ago, but if you think about our, you know, kind of leaps and bounds in technology mm -hmm. and social media, just in those it's a long time. Years, yeah, absolutely. Six years. So much has changed. Um, if I, obviously if we knew what we knew now then we'd probably start off very very differently but we didn't you know so who is this person that's starting this business you know I suppose that's what you've got to think of I mean if this is your business and you are really the head honcho what message you know are you wanting to give out and I think with me, I started off thinking I need to be 
I need to look like a hypnotherapist. That was my, that was my thing in my head. So I grew my hair long and tied it back in a ponytail. And if you look at pictures of me at the beginning, I was like, what, who's that? I look like my granny. And then um, after a while, I thought, wait, what am I teaching people? What am I talking about every day? I'm talking about empowering people. I'm talking about helping them discover the real them. You know, the, the part of them that makes them unique and individual. And I'm helping them celebrate that part of them. So their self-esteem, their self-worth, their self-value. And I was like, wait, I've got this long hair. It isn't really me. So in the end, I sort of, it was almost like a, a message to myself as well. Yeah. So I grew and evolved through my own learning mm. with my clients in a really mm. strange way. Oh, that's not strange. That is, that is a huge message, Tipsy. And, and one that I think people sometimes undervalue or forget or don't realize that's happening. But I couldn't agree with you more that I am still on a, a fascinating learning journey. Here I am at... I'll say how old I am, actually, Dipti. Um, so I'm 62 as this will be released. No, wow. I only ever say it so that people say no. <laughs> That's amazing. I would have like said you were. Uh, more oh, sorry, than listeners. We're just going to go into a mutual admiration moment now. Just you know, go make a cup of coffee. No, no, come back. That's so amazing. The point is that I'm still learning. I'm still learning. And and when you go into something like uh, any form of kind of coaching or service that you're, you're trying to help with, without, you know, I'm not wanting to sound like Mother Teresa or anything, but because actually it's it's quite selfish in a way because you get so much from it. My yeah. God, you're just constantly learning. So, no, I, I, I think that's a really good point that you make, how you're evolving, evolving, evolving. And this idea, I mean, I did a recent LinkedIn video, I don't know if you saw it, where I had three different characters, one of them was me, and I wasn't dissing the other two at all, and I went, I was at pains to say that, but they weren't me, so I was, you know, a sort of fluffy, uh, lovely, warm, crystal healer type coach, and then I was a sort of, you know, ponytail, clipboardy sort of tick box type coach I was saying nothing wrong nothing wrong nothing wrong and then I and then I appeared in the third one as me you know which is something else because it's just me and and I, the number of times I've caught myself as I was growing up I used to think I used to go through phases and this is to do with a real lack of self-esteem and not having any sense of who the heck I was or at least sort of knowing who I was but not being able to engage with it properly and embrace with it properly and so ending up in a fight inside my own head and so one day I would think I know I'll go and buy uh, a certain kind of watch or something like that or a certain kind of shoes and this this is what it needs this is what it takes and I'm going to go waltz into that networking event or whatever and I'm going to be all power stuff and <laughs> and then you come away feeling so down because you it's like you've just betrayed yourself. yourself. You feel cheated. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, that, that identity thing is, is huge. But again, with, you know, it's a bit like, well, if you ask someone the question, why don't you want to be yourself? They might not say, oh, it's because I really don't like myself. You know, they won't come out with that. Um, but actually, if we really boil it down, there is a part of them that they're unhappy with or they've been told somewhere along the line somewhere by somebody, maybe 
when they were 13 and their maths teacher said, you know, you're never going to get anywhere talking in life. And um, you believe it, you know, and, and that's what I got to hold on of the time. And I wish I could find my maths teacher now because actually I'll be like, you know what, I get paid to talk. <laughs> <laughs> No, there's a few of us that we'd like to go back and have a little chat with some of our teachers. Um, oh my gosh, absolutely. But it's amazing how much these things stick, isn't it? I mean, I can, I can absolutely lucidly describe in detail down to colours and dress and surroundings incidents that happened at school, you know, and I just said I'm 62 and I, I you know, I'm going back to when I was like 13, 14, you yeah. know, um, they stick in, in whatever this, this um, sticky place is in your head. The stress bucket, I'm calling it. The stress bucket. Yeah. yeah. So that's why if we're moving stuff out of the stress bucket strategically, yeah. and we then start to make a, pro like it's obviously subconscious work, but you st then start to make a proper assessment of all those templates that might just get stuck in there from when we were, you know, growing up or even yesterday when someone said something to me that I didn't really know how to deal with and didn't know whether I should believe it or not. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are, you still then perhaps get that same trigger feeling, don't you? <laughs> I've just been told off or, or whatever it is, you know. Do you know, um, there's a guy called, um, Doctor, I think he is, Tim O'Brien. Gosh, I hope I've got that right. And he describes the naughty step mm. and he says um i'll put a link in the show notes um because he he talks about give yourself permission to get off the naughty step that's really great i love that i love that idea because yeah. that's that's it isn't it we all want to feel like we're not on the naughty step because unless you're a psychopath and you don't care about <laughs> the naughty step then you don't you know you're fine to be i've naughty. got too many of those listening um <laughs> <laughs> Um, you're never a psychopath if you don't mind being on the naughties. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's nice definition. I love it. Um, oh my gosh. Oh dear. See, I knew this would be this would be trouble. This interview. Um, <laughs> just a just a quick thing. Just a quick thing. Like it's a quick subject. It's not on resilience because. Mm -hmm. Like all these other words that we throw out, like we were even deconstructing the word real, you know, self-esteem, stress, all of these things. Um, resilience is another one that comes up a lot. I, th I know people will be reading lots of things, maybe, you know, on social media and, and articles and thinking, oh, resilience, resilience. And it's um, what interests, so mind, body, mind, body. Mm. Give us, give it, have you got any like little, tips that these listeners could actually really quite easily without it being this huge big mountainous climb think about carrying out maybe as a habit or yeah I think um this metaphor probably will work really well so you know and I know and your listeners know that we've all got a physical immune system you know we we feel like when we go out anywhere, you know, you don't think, oh, I must put my immune system on with me and make sure I'm all zipped up because, you know, if you're pretty healthy and, you know, you're kind of, you know, not ill, obviously, and you're in a good sort of healthy physical state, 
your immune system is just working in the background. It doesn't need to be switched on. Now, what if you could also have a mental immunity and an emotional immunity as well? Just throwing that idea out there. So we know we've got a physical one. But my answer to that is we have got an, a mental immunity and a physical and an emotional immunity. We just haven't thought about it in that way yet. So if you imagine that you did switch on your mental and your emotional immunity, what would change? Mm. Oh, that's very thought provoking. I I like the I, I actually like the the visual of switches as well because it's like um you know I talk about people who don't like networking which is understandable you know going into spaces of strangers gee like you're gonna like that um and you know I talk about switching switching all your sort of inner um resources on like smiles and you know breathing and and, and thinking nice thoughts but but it is you know, and then people think, well, is that faking it? You think, no, it isn't faking it. It is a deliberate act that you are carrying out because you have to, because you're, you're, you know, fight and flight and prehistoric wiring and everything else is going out there, ready to be attacked, looking for the negatives, all of that stuff. So yeah, take, take back. Oh God, I can't say take back control, uh, but you know what I mean? Um, you know, the switch is a very good sort of mental image. I like that. So switch on. You're switching on your mental and emotional yeah. immunity. Um, I think you watched my How to Not Get Offended video. And that's quite a good example of if you decide something, like just as a little social experiment for yourself. So I decided one day, I'm not actually going to get offended today just because <laughs> I just wanted to see what that felt like. And it was so amazing. It, I felt like I got to the end of the day. I mean, it didn't, it wasn't easy. I'm not going to say I just decided that and then it was easy and then it worked. It, it wasn't like that. It was a lot of um, noticing, observing, you know, chatting to myself, giving myself a bit of a talk. Oh, self-talk. Yeah, give yeah, yourself a lecture. Giving myself permission to come off the naughty step again, you know, that yep. idea. And actually, by the end of the day, I did feel a little bit more liberated. And then as I continue to practice it more and more, now it's just become who I am. I just don't get offended. My partner's been with me for nine years. He's been trying really hard for nine years to offend me. <laughs> and he hasn't managed to. And I think that's why he stayed with me. Because he's like, it's this a challenge. <laughs> this works well. So oh my gosh that is such a good oh i i we have to end on i don't want to end i really don't but we have to um the how not to get offended thing is is absolutely brilliant reach out reach out to somebody that you have made a script up in your head that they don't like you um just reach out to them subtly in some way and then and spot what happens and then go go and think give yourself a blinking talking to you say yeah you made that all up in your head you know that whole oh they don't like me oh they don't like me i know they don't i can just tell how can you tell i don't know i just know <laughs> you know um right well now consciously do something that feels uncomfortable because part of you is saying why would i reach out to somebody who doesn't like me you know and and just give it a go and see what happens you know it's these conscious little acts and then as you say keep doing them and all of a sudden they become your normal habits yeah 
And you can do that because you can decide and it's just awareness, isn't it? And using yourself as a little experiment, you know, I'm constantly experimenting with myself because I can do that. Um, And all of us can do that. We can't really experiment on other people. So if we use ourselves as an experiment and practice and practice and practice, then you do it yourself and you feel good because you've done it. And that's good. I know, I know. Oh, Dipti, um, I say this actually to everybody that I interview. So this this podcast will have to go on beyond the grave as far as I'm concerned because it's, there's too many interesting people out there. You'll have to come back at some stage because we could, we could dig into any one of those things we touched on and, and have a fabulous chat. But meanwhile, tell the listeners um, where they can find you. So social media, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Dipnotherapy. Nice. And on Instagram, I'm the Hypno Guru. I know I should have a a unified social media, <laughs> but unfortunately I don't because I'm real and I didn't join at the same time. <laughs> um, and then website-wise, um, if you are around the Cotswolds and you fancy, you know, a bit of hypnotherapy, I'm at the Cotswoldpractice.com. And then Globally, I can see anyone online, which is really exciting. And that's diptytate.com. Fabulous. Absolutely brilliant. I'll tell you what, how about, you know, people won't be thinking now, oh, what a treat that would be, a sort of a, a few days off in the Cotswolds, walking, staying in some lovely little oldie-boldie pubby baby. And then, and then I get to go and see Dipti and have this fabulous uh, experience lying on her couch as well. This and it's warm really... and it's heated. Oh, and it's... no. Stop. That's enough. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. This has been brilliant. Of course, I knew it would be. Um, look forward to speaking to you soon. And for now, thank you and goodbye. Thank you, Trisha. Yes! Take action. Try this one small step. So, number one, just check your sleeping habits. You do need to make sure that stress bucket gets emptied. So make sure you're getting enough sleep. Number two, have an experiment on yourself. So figure out that you can use your mental and emotional switch and try to go for a day or even a week consciously not being offended. Lot of fascinating stuff. You might need some show notes. So head over to trishalewis.com forward slash make it real podcast to download those and subscribe because then you'll know when the next episode is available. I give you permission to go out and be real and enjoy it. Look forward to the next episode. Never be.